We are live, Mr. Bass, and get your fish on once again. What's up, Steve Chapman? What is up with you, brother? Not much. Just Hopefully, we'll have Matt in. on here soon, but we have some other topics we're going to cover here shortly. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about... Uh, We'll talk about Luke Duncan and uh, Rob Turkle at after we talk to uh, to Matt when he gets on here, which That'll should be, be fun. Uh, we, we should take we should both have different sides. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. And, and 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 you know, don't take it personal. It's a debate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. There's no winner. <laughs> okay. But we should take sides. All right. That sounds fun. I think that would be kind of fun. That would be kind of fun. Uh oh, and let's just put it out there right now. I see Bateman TV. Dude, <laughs> we're right behind you. I don't know Heck what yeah. the hell was going on. But I don't we're, either. we're there with you. Dude. Bateman. It's all good in the hood, man. Yeah. What I, I we disagree with that whole thing. Yeah, that was... We don't even understand it. Head scratcher there. Yeah. High five. Uh, So we'll talk to Matt Heron. Yeah, Matt's supposed to be joining us. Uh, Hopefully he does. Uh, If not, then we'll just... uh, We'll do what we do best. If I can have 20 seconds, I need to say happy birthday to someone. All right. Today is my... I mean, like a brother to me, literally a brother, uh, maybe a little bit too close a friend. <laughs> I need, might need a little gap between us here and there. <laughs> uh, but my buddy, Patrick Sabeel is, had a birthday today. And, uh, you know, I think the world of him and I'm so happy that he's, uh, uh, how uh, our friendship and I'm, I'm just happy that he, you know, He's okay. <laughs> he's not. He's not crazy. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, I uh, I just want to say happy birthday to him. That's all. Awesome. Happy birthday, Patrick. All right, Matt is on. I see him. I see him. So let me let me uh, link him up here. Uh oh. Wait. Okay. There we go. He disappeared and then he reappeared. I'll give him his. There he is. Come how you doing man i'm doing awesome how are y'all doing tonight good man it's great to see you y'all too and, uh, you think that uh, the off season be a leisure time for me but when you stay gone all this uh these months my honeydew list is long boys <laughs> <laughs> uh, and catch up after tournament season yeah so uh, and i trust me the boss has had me hopping too yeah, the boss. That's exactly right, That's the boss. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's been it's been ages since I've seen you. You know that? It has been. It's been a while. I didn't see you at ICAST this year. Were you there? No, no. And, and after what I heard happened there, I'm glad I was. <laughs> we, I'm calling it iCOVID, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Every, <laughs> Quentin Capo came down, and uh, Bill Lowen and I had stayed over up on Lake Ontario just decided that we didn't want to make a trip for everything going on. And I left and I'd, I'd been there about a week when Capo got back. He, uh, he gave the Lowens yeah. COVID and they both about died from. It. Yeah, I know. 
We talked to Bill. I talked to Bill afterwards. It seemed like everybody that wasn't vaccinated came out of there uh, sick. It was it was pretty crazy, man. Shit was it. Uh, after all that went down, I, as, as sad as I hate to say it, I am officially vaccinated. It got yeah. too close to home. I, I had uh, two really close friends in the last couple of months that's passed away from it. And it's Sorry just, to hear that. Yeah. We had a good I, friend, Topwater Johnny, pass away a couple weeks ago. Yeah, man. I mean, I've seen those guys at Lonnie, uh, Lonnie O'Neill and mm-hmm. a couple of guys that have been fishing the MPFL or NA. Yeah, Skeeter Fowler. Or, and it's just, God, man. I mean, it's just, you, you want to say, well, I ain't going to get it. And it's just not real. And then when it starts hitting close to home, it starts, you know, I ain't no spring chicken. I'm 58 years old. And I started doing the math. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to play with fire or not. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the sickest feelings I ever had taking that shot because I did not want it. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to take the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for your family, man. Oh, yeah. That's right. So you know. we we usually uh, start off by saying, uh, how, how did you get introduced into the outdoors? Tell everybody how you got started fishing. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you look, do. Look, my, my mom has pictures of me in diapers holding a cane pole uh, on the creek bank. And it's just my family's an outdoor family. Uh, you know, my, 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 my great-granddad fished, my granddad fished, my dad fished. Uh, it's just it's just something that, 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 that we've done. And it, I was one of those kids that was when, – when, when you – I got introduced to it. I went crazy. I mean, it, my whole life's been about the next bike. I mean, it's just that's just how I am. I, just, I love it. It's my it's my my happy place when I'm. I can be standing on a creek bank or on the front deck of a boat. It don't matter as long as as long as I'm fishing and I'm outside. That's just what I do. Yeah, I read that you uh, you won your first bass tournament at like age ten. I did, and, and it was kind of a. A combo deal. It was a uh, it was a kids fishing thing at a private lake. It was a actually it was a baseball league. All the baseball teams. Somebody come up with a brainstorm. We'd have a a fishing derby, and we'd have a, a, a bluegill uh, division and a bass division and whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I won. I won my first one at ten years old. <laughs> did you get a trophy or what? Did did you, do you still have it? I did, I did get a little trophy, but I don't remember where I won it. But that's long. Man, that was a long time ago. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's still cool. Oh, yeah, it was cool, you know. And I was telling people it was a funny story, you know, high school fishing stuff has gone crazy. I had a uh, one of my football and wrestling coaches when I was in, in like, junior high, 8th, ninth, 10th grade. Uh, his name was Ronnie Page. And Ronnie literally, that many years ago, that would have been back in the 70s, he had like 10 or 12 of us there that were athletes and stuff. And he tried to get this going back then and to see how it's taken off and mm-hmm. see the excitement in the kids' faces now and it's the new opportunities for them. And it's just, just uh, I think back now, like how close we were to uh, getting it right. It, it really is crazy when you think about where fishing has come, especially high school stuff, uh, even the college stuff. When when you see these younger kids now coming in and you know getting making it into the elites, are you shocked by how how good they fish at all these places? No, not really. You know the biggest thing has changed. That fishing is uh, 
the availability of information. You know, you figure when I was coming up, I had six episodes of Bob Cobb and Bassmasters. And, there, you know, Bill Dance had his show. And, uh, I mean, there just wasn't a lot there. I mean, you had the TNN days, you know, uh, Sunday evening network, you know, with all the outdoor broadcasting. But that was it, man. We had like eight or ten, ep- uh, subs- every, you know, uh, monthly subscriptions to Bassmaster or maybe a fishing game magazine, but it wasn't there. I mean, you just, and most of that stuff was so watered down and so generic, you really couldn't put a lot together. And when I come along, it was kind of like you either had to teach yourself or you had to be fortunate enough to know somebody uh, to teach you how, you know, kind of point you in the right direction. Well, now with YouTube and all the information that's out there, I mean, you got guys at my level that are spilling their guts daily on a lot of this stuff and you know if a young angler wants to learn Mm -hmm. the information's there and then you couple it up with it with the advancements in sonar and they are light years ahead of where i was yeah it's pretty amazing uh what that that uh, kind of leads me to my question you are known as a shallow water guy you are a flipper a pitcher you are a uh you're about as skilled as there is on the planet when it comes to that kind of stuff. So how, how was the whole sonar revolution with all this forward scan and 360 uh, affected you and your, your fishing career? Uh, you know, that it's made it harder to compete, uh, in some ways because there's times of the year now where used to guys, if they weren't adaptable to shallow water, they would really struggle. And when I say that, it's it's that forward-looking sonar stuff has now made it possible for these guys to catch suspended fish. Where mm-hmm. it used to, you know, if we had a big thermocline in the summertime, water stratified or whatever, I mean, it was a shallow water grinded out, you know. Well, it's kind of changed all that, but yet, in, the, in other ways, it's taken a lot of pressure off of some of those shallow fish. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill, Bill Owen and I were having a conversation the other day about, forward-looking sonar of what's going to change next. And, you know, it, it's gotten to the point now with, with uh, 2D sonar and DI sonar that we're seeing a lot of these fish, they won't let you get on top of them. They've done, had so much pressure mm. from drop shots and people spooning, people getting right over the top of them with sonar, or even even like on the Tennessee River where used to, you could just put crank your engine up and idle till you found a big scoop. Well, you may find them, but if you idle over them now, you might as well come back in about two hours to sneak up on them because if you idle over them, they're gone. Wow. And what's going to happen with this forward-looking sonar? Because they are being conditioned to sonar beams being fired at them, whether it's vertical or whether it's you know, horizontal going forward. You know, that, so it's, it's changing, and it's no different than any other – thing that we've experienced in the sport is I think back to the debate that I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll use for an example was buzz bait. When, when a local or buzz bait first come on the scene in the mid seventies, you could throw that thing about 12 months a year and the fish were absolutely obliterated. They didn't mind if it was hot, cold, they didn't care. Hmm. Now go throw a buzz bait and it's got its time in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They'll still bite it and it's still an effective bait in its moment or like a water plopper, water yep. plopper for 
three or four years was just phenomenal. Well, it's just another bait. And what's happening is these fish, they are smart, and they do get conditioned what we're doing to them. So I'm I'm thinking that going forward, it'll take a little while, but the forward-looking fish to, to, to that presentation, too, or that, you know, that, that deal, too. So I don't know. It's it's all changing, and it's just it's another tool that anglers got to be able to effectively use to compete. If you're like me and you're competing and this is how you make a living, you constantly have to be like a sponge. Even at my age, I have to adapt and change and incorporate stuff to stay competitive. How tough is it to, to you know, is that, that's, that, that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but how hard is it to, to learn these new things? And is there a possibility at some point that there's maybe too much of it and it starts to hurt the tournaments? Well, I think it hurts you, Hank, because I've gotten caught in it as well. Uh, you know, I made a big commitment uh, several years ago, probably probably 10 years ago, that that I wanted to be a more versatile angler. And, and I do quite well now at drop shot tournaments, and I do quite well now at offshore tournaments. And it's because I had to. And uh, I, I got to looking at my stats and, as long as we were up shallow or whatever, I was in the top 20 and then we'd go to up north and I was just hanging on by the skin of my teeth just to make the classic or trying to hang in the top in AOI. And I got to looking at it, I'm going, you know, I, I, I compete against these guys all year long at certain conditions and, and I take them to the woodshed, you know, the top 2% or 1% of the field. And there's no reason why I can't do it here. So I've become a lot more versatile, but you gotta be careful in the fact that uh, the biggest thing I've learned for me is, you know, your, I know my strengths and I've got, to, I finally learned that you can't play another man's game. And if I show up and I know that, that there is a shallow deal going on, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I show up and I know that it's an offshore deal going on, that's what I'm going to do. But when you get caught trying to play in both games, it equals about a 99th place finish. You can't, <laughs> you cannot play in both worlds. Yeah. I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, sure. So, um, Matt, uh, I was actually a, a marshal with you out on a, uh, a elite series event a few years ago at, uh, Table Rock early spring. And, uh, Brandon, <laughs> he didn't have a beard you. then dude I, I was with you either yeah I didn't have a beard then close. but uh, I was with you maybe on day two or day three I don't remember which and you threw uh, a wiggle ward a lot it was a, it was a spring turn, early spring uh, and uh, you were still flipping and pitching quite a bit as well and uh, I was amazed at your skills your skill set is obviously incredible uh, you've got tons of, tons of experience in that, but I kind of wanted to, if I could ask you a few questions about those techniques, um, first and foremost, you're yeah, the I king caught, of flipping and pitching. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, that the, uh, the flipping and pitching technique though, we do have, you know, we got a pretty varied audience. We got guys that are very experienced anglers, but we also have new guys that are trying to learn techniques and trying to learn about fishing and that sort of thing. And uh, if a guy wanted to just get started 
flipping and pitching, whether it's a jig or a soft plastic, uh, what would you recommend? What, what, what should you do to kind of, uh, get started? We're in and out guys. Yeah, we're in and out a little bit. Were you able to hear me? I can see you. Yeah, we can see you. Maybe a little spotty internet. Yeah, might be. Um, I'm showing he's got one bar on his signal at the moment. Oh, it shows that on this thing? Yeah, yeah it shows no. me. I have four, me. I think. Shows me yours. Yeah, you got four. Uh, so I'll maybe maybe he'll pop back in here in a second. Yeah. We haven't lost him. He's still connected. Uh, oh, there you go. Maybe. Okay. We see you now. There he goes. Now he's got four bars. It's in the Southeast. It shows your social security number. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're having a tough time hearing you, Matt. Uh, Matt, maybe try to uh, uh, try to dial us back. You got me. I'll I'll text him. Hold on. Hey, hold on. I got three bars again. Oh, there you go. You're good. We got you now. I don't know what happened. I I live out in the country. It's out. It's the interweb. It's the interweb. Yep. Yeah. Ask your question. uh, Okay. You know, a good rod and reel setup don't have to be crazy expensive, but it needs to be something that you're comfortable with. Uh, some guys like a little bit shorter rod. I would recommend nothing shorter than a 7.4. And then uh, all the way up to a 7.6. I like fluorocarbon. Uh, 16 to 20 pounds what I use for 99% of the applications that I do. And some type of a creature bait or uh Skinny dipper. Oh, I don't hear him. I know. I think he had someone call him. We lost your sound, Matt. Nope, can't hear you. <laughs> I think what happens if you use your phone, there you go. So he'll call back. We'll okay. get some of these other people. Uh, we'll ask some. Of the, if you guys have questions, by all means, we'll try to put them up here. Oh, here. I'm back. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. We got you now. You're sounding good. Anyhow, just a good, solid uh, rod reel combination. And then, you know, most people think you got to flip pitch, you know, certain kind of stuff. But, man, you flip flip and pitch anything from grass to boat docks to rocks to stumps to anything to shade. I mean, overhanging the is a great place to flip and pitch, but. Any, anywhere fish, you can pinpoint them down to get them. Okay, so. He's down, he's down one bar again. <laughs> uh, Does uh, Matt peg his weights when flipping? Booster asked. We'll ask him here. Wait. Yeah. That's frustrating for him, for sure. Yeah. Well, he's walking now. 
Uh oh. Oh, we'll get to see the house now. <laughs> Show the house while you're doing it. <laughs> when we had Duke on, and I asked him, <laughs> "No, he's oh, he's going into the, he's going to the boat. Show me what's in the boat." <laughs> George says, "Shake your computer; it always works." <laughs> yeah, just hit it a couple times. Mm. <laughs> Well, hopefully we can reconnect with him there. Yeah. Because uh, we haven't gotten to any of the good stuff yet. Oh, God, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. ask that one question that I told you about, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know that he likes a 7.6 uh, heavy rod is what he normally uses. He's a yeah. Kistler man. Yeah, he's a Kistler man for sure. All right, you look good. We you can look see good, you. but we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Are you on mute? Oh, I like the hat. He's got his Dirty Jigs hat on. Oh, yeah, Dirty Jigs hat. I don't know why we can't hear him. Yeah, I don't know either. Man, the picture's better than it's been the whole time. <laughs> the picture's better. Picture's great. We just can't hear you. Yeah, we just can't hear you. All right, now he's he's gone black. Yeah. Oh man, that picture's even better. No, I can't hear him. <laughs> I come home for this. <laughs> Let me try. I'm going to try removing him from the stream. Yeah, you might. Uh, uh, hey, Matt, hang up. Bit. Hang up and call back again. Yeah. Can you can you hang up and call back? All right. I come well, home for this. I got to be in New Smyrna later. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a uh, he. You know, guys like him really interest me. These guys that are what I would call a specialist. He really is a shallow water. All right, here he goes. He's back. Let's... All right. Now we got to move move the pictures around here. So there you're in you the... go. That ain't long enough. Oh, the damn internet. You good. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah we got you. Yeah. You look good and, and we can hear you good. Well, I thought my Wi-Fi would work in my office. For some reason, Wi-Fi is not working in the office, so I had to uh, come back. Now. So that's all right. No problem. About that. Now, do I peg my weight? Only when I'm trying. I have to. Uh, really? No, I do not. I, I'm one of the old school guys. I feel like if you can pitch a Texas rig around, and I'm not trying to penetrate cover, something that'll make it where I have to keep it together, I do not. I feel like I get more bites when it's not pegged. Mm. Interesting. It's, just, it's, just, it's a lot more subtle fall, especially like if I'm pitching a three, I mean, a, like a three sixteenths or a quarter or a five sixteenths. Uh, I don't pick unless unless I'm in vegetation or some kind of thick brush. Do not. Yeah. So how do you determine the size of the weight that you want to use? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the weight of the bait. A lot of it has to do, you know, like if I'm I'm fishing a lot of these, like a, a reaction invasion is beaver or spicy beaver. It's it's got a lot of weight to it. Uh -huh. and, and honestly, uh, to me, one of the biggest things that I look at when I'm flipping and pitching, and I feel like it gets me a lot more bites, 
is I'm, I'm a guy that's really into uh, rate of fall. I think that the rate of the uh -huh. fall of the bait is everything. So I really pay attention to where I get my bites, when the bite occurs, is the bite, does it happen halfway down? Does it happen on the bottom? I mean, that's, there's a lot of little things like that that, that are, make all the difference in the world. Okay, so that rate of fall thing is one of those mysteries that we novice anglers kind of scratch our head on a little bit. What, what, if I'm just starting out, uh, what should, what weight should I just start with to, to get going? Just like a, just a quarter ounce maybe or an eighth ounce or what, what should I start with? Quarter ounce. I mean, a quarter, quarter ounce, ounce is a good all around, good all around weight. Uh, you know, if you're fishing somewhere, it's just pitching around boat docks or pitching around, you know, scattered brush or lay downs or whatever, as long as you're not trying to fish some incredibly deep depth, you know, no more than six or seven foot. Uh, you know, fluorocarbon line is what really kind of changed the, the need for weight. You know, pretty much years ago when we were fishing mono, a lightweight was, was a 5 sixteenths. Oh. You know, and, and then, then we went up from there. But now that we're using fluorocarbon and tungsten, uh, it totally changed bit the, the ability to detect bites and it changed the, the ability. You know, tungsten just falls at a different rate of speed than lead. So... It's a, it's totally different, but a quarter ounce is a good all around uh, weight to start with. Okay, I got my my four inch beaver and I pitch it in there. Do I let it? Do I just let it drop in once and pull it completely out and then throw it in, or do you shake it a little, or do you? What do you do when you drop it in there? Do you leave it or do you bring it right back out? Depends on what I dropped it in. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, it, it, you know, if you're just going down a a bluff wall and the fish are suspended on the wall, you know, you can drop it up there and it hits the bottom. You can pick it up once, pitch it again. But if you're throwing it up there and you're in a lay down, you want to walk it all the way through the lay down or you're in the brush pile. You know, it's, that, there's a lot of variables in there. That's, that's what makes fishing such a great sport. There's no one common deal. You right. got each scenario is different. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you use a, a straight shank flipping hook or do always. you use an EWG? Always. Okay. And do you snail or not? Only time I snail is when I go over three quarters of an ounce. Okay. Braid. Oh. Anything over three quarters of an ounce with braid, I'm going to snail. And the biggest reason is uh, number well, there's two reasons. Number one, it's a totally different style of hook set. You don't want to snap when you're jerk when you're using braid because you're gonna knock fish's mouth open, and that bigger sinker is gonna gonna make his mouth come open. So it's more of a pull set, and, and by allowing that hook to be snailed, when you pull, it kicks up that hook up at a ninety, and it and it makes it easier to hook. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good one tip. other one one other flipping question here before okay. I turn it over to Steve. How do you keep from backlashing while you're flipping? You know, I've just done it so long. When, when I get guys <laughs> guys in my boat, it kind of fries their mind that I'll haul off with that that little 100 bait cast reel and fired under God knows what. And you just don't think about it, but it's a lot of us having the right rod. Uh, you know, a lot of backlashing occurs from the rod, not the reel. Ah, you know, really? it's, yeah, it's kind of, you want it, you want the right tip on the rod for the weight bait you're throwing, because if you don't feel where the bait is, if you can't tell where in the pendulum that the bait is, you don't know when to release it. 
So uh-huh. if you've got a real stiff rod and a real light <laughs> bait, and you don't know exactly where it's at in, in the loading process, when you take it back to unload it, it don't unload right. So it's almost like a golf terminology. You know, you got to know where the head of the club is. Well, fishing, you got to know where the weight of the bait is. And if your rod action's wrong and it's too stiff or too light, you never do get it to unload right. And it's going to lead to backlashes. You're just going to have overruns like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's so, unbelievable information. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so most guys. I've never heard anybody say that. About this is the sorriest reel I've ever used. And yeah. It backlashes like crazy. And I don't know why. Well, most of the time, you might ought to start looking at your rod because it's either too stiff or too light. That what is you're trying to do with it. One thing, you know, one thing that that, that uh, you tri- another thought you triggered in my mind when I I remember buying these really really stiff stiff rods because I kept hearing everybody say you need a broomstick if you're going to flip and pitch you need a broomstick so you can really get them out of the cover. And I'm telling you that rod was so stiff I could not control that bait at all. No. It, it, it drove it, me crazy. And it'll wear you out, of course. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry you're, about this. I got you're, you're doing doing this all day. Yeah, you yeah. do. And it's, you know, also, I can go by a guy, and it's funny, out of all the years I've been doing this, I kind of got eat up with flipping and pitching in in the late 70s. I mean, I was, when, when D. Thomas and Basil Bacon and Dean Brower got going up, I was a 17, 18-year-old kid, and I, I was just engrossed with it and have been my whole life. Mm-hmm. But you watch a guy that totally extends his arm out because I still like what what some people call short lining, where where you pull a line in and out and truly flip. Yeah, and you you see guys crying with their backs and their elbows. My God, my back's killing me. My God, my arm's killing me. My elbow's killing me. I can't flip pitch all day. It kills my elbow. Plus well, technique. You never you never extend your arm. Your elbows your 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 arm stays by your side, bent at a ninety, and it's done with your wrist. And guys try to use their whole arm, and it absolutely will destroy elbows. It will destroy your back. They get slumped over. They don't stand up straight. It uh, and just basically the physicality of it. If they just go get their pot, you would think posture and and form would matter fishing, right? Yeah. If your posture is not right, flipping and pitching all day long, it will absolutely kill you. Do you turn your reel sideways when you flip? I turn it sideways, upside down. Just depends on how I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, most of the time, you know, the back of my hand is to the sky. Okay. And that allows me to flip, to to, to truly, you know, to fold my wrist almost at a 90. And the rod's almost across my body to 45. It just, you just have, you know, it's all in what you get used to. And I mean, it's my... I've never, thank God, in all these years, I've never had wrist and elbow troubles. And it's because of I don't put undue stress on it. And the way that my technique is, uh, just like flipping and pitching. How many guys you see make a pitch, wind the bait in, put it in their hand, make another pitch, wind the bait in, put it yeah. in their hand. I never, once I make one pitch going down the bank, I never put that bait in my hand again until I'm done. You just use the old pendulum deal. It, it never stops. Yeah. It's it's in and out, and I use the weight of the bait, and it's just a fluid motion steadily going. You know, the only other thing I can tell you that probably I feel like one of the, the, the keys that – and I fished against a lot of guys, and I could go to name a lot of names that some of the bigger names on the sport that I laugh at. 
that do not know how to run a truck bar. They set that bad boy on about 90, and they burp that thing all the way down the bank. And you'll hear the thrust wash up under the bow of the boat, and then they're off. And the thrust will wash up under the bow of the boat, and they're off. And we'll go down, if we're in a creek, I'll be going down one side, and they're going down another, and I've got mine set on 20%, and I never take my foot off of it. And they're over there doing that. And yet when we get to the back of the creek, I'm there 20 minutes before they got there, and I didn't scare everything in the creek off. Hmm. I mean, it's boat control, and, it, and it's posture. Uh -huh. that, that's all it is and just paying attention to subtle stuff like where was your bite i mean always pay attention was a bite on the bottom was a bite halfway down you know just every bite is the clue and once you figure out the clue it's just a riddle then you solved it now go catch it. okay we may as well get this question out of the way now anyway steve's going to have something he's going to talk to you about quite a bit okay. so i'll just take a little extra time here when you're, when you're flipping and pitching, I'm actually does, enjoying this. Does color matter? Mm, yeah, no. I tell you this, I keep about five color baits in my boat. Five colors. But you like that, you like that spicy that, that the, the beaver you're using a dark color. We've talked about this. I mean, it's it's Reaction Innovations has some great colors, by the oh, way. Oh, the best. Oh, yeah, but they're for fishermen. Yeah. yeah. I guarantee you, if you did a survey on 90% of the guys that do this for a living, we don't have a big enough truck to haul all the colors. Yeah. And for the most part, black and blue or green pumpkin can work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm How about serious. When, well, I mean, I'll have all these wild colors and, you know, I'll get a new, new, new color. And there's sometimes I've seen it make a difference. But for the most part, when, when they say go on Derby morning, I got something real stupid basic on there, and it's I'm the guy that believes the zip code. It ain't it ain't fake because I done been in the same areas with guys, and everybody's throwing something totally different, catching them. And you're thinking, boy, if I ain't throwing this 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 black and blue color bait right here, they ain't catching one. And uh, at the end of the day, everybody's got them, and everybody's throwing something different. So it was just being around it. So uh, what about spike it? Do you, do, you, do you spike your baits a lot or not? I'm, I'm a big believer in two colors of dye. I, I use chartreuse and I use orange. So uh, when, do you, when do you use which? I use chartreuse when I think they're feeding on bluegill, and I, and I like to spike stuff on orange tips when I think they're really feeding on crawfish. Mm. Very, That's, very logical. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm really dumb. I don't well, man, that's some great information. I love this kind of stuff, and so do I. You, you are a master at this, and, and I, I really, really thank you for that information because it's very educational, it's very informative, it's very interesting to hear from a master how you do something. So thanks a lot, Matt. You're more than welcome, guys. Okay, so here, I, I, I have a, we're still have going back and forth because I got some questions. Okay. When you go fishing with, the average Joe, and, and you know, just someone that isn't a pro. What is the most common mistake you see that the average angler makes that they should change right away so that they can catch more fish? You know, to me, the, the biggest thing that I see difference between the guy that makes a living at it and the guy, let's just say, fishing shop. Me, yeah. Okay, is angles. Sounds sounds well, what is angles, right? It's it's the way that I present a bait to a certain piece of cover. Mm. 
and, and the way you effectively cover that. And Rick Klein told me that in 1994. I drew Rick in a BASS Invitational that you followed. And at the end of the day, I mean, I was in awe. I'm still in awe of what everything he's ever accomplished. And I spend a lot of time around him because we camp in the same campgrounds a lot. But he made a comment to me at the end of the day, and we were I'd get my stuff out of the boat, and uh, I told him I enjoyed the day, and he had, he had had a good day, I'd had a good day, and he said, yeah, I said uh, maybe we'll get to fish together some you know again sometime. He told me he said I don't want to fish with you again. I looked at him, I thought it was gonna hurt my feelings. He says <laughs> he says I fish with a lot of guys that, that absolutely do not understand angles and presentations, and you do. And he said, you made it very hard for me to fish today. <laughs> because wow. if you got a target, there's only one or two or three angles there. Yeah. So when we pull up there, if, if, if I got one angle, that the possibilities are limited. So that you take a guy like Rick, I took option two and three away. So that's uh-huh. the biggest thing is understanding strike zones and where to present your bait. That is the biggest difference. I, I, that's number one pet peeve. About if you got a target, you got you got ninety percent of the time you got one or two possibilities. And how many times have you seen been fishing with your buddies and you you coming up to a key piece of cover and you know there's a fish there and the wrong cast is made and you're hung in that and you, and, and, and you booger it. Mm. You know, and there's only so many possibilities a day to get so many bites. Yeah, so if you go to botching them, or you you you. You know, if the fish is set up there, I truly believe a lot of the bites we get fishing is because of the reaction bites. Yeah. And if you if you don't make the right presentation, you just lost that opportunity for that reaction bite. So most of the time, it's if, if especially if you are truly getting a reaction bite, it's a one cast deal. You mess it up, you just mess the whole deal up. And it's makes sense. Yeah, but that's that's one of the things I see is that, and then the other thing is. Uh, when we're out there fun fishing, you know, even when I go fun fishing, I can't get it out of it because I'm always about the next bite. I'm always trying to establish a pattern. That's how, you know, I'm always trying to turn one bite into 20 pounds. And when you're fun fishing, I think a lot of times you miss the two or three signs that the fish gave you to turn a one or two bite day into a 15 or 20 bite day by just not paying attention yeah you know there's with the mapping that's available to us now like lake master and the sonar that we have you wouldn't believe how many times in the course of a day i'll be struggling and get one bite and i can take and take that bite and take and go through the, the scenario of he was halfway back in the creek on a secondary point and it was this deep and i can look at that map card and I can go find other creeks, and all of a sudden, that one bite went from from one one little bitty fish to twenty pounds before you blink your eyeballs. Yeah, and it happens that fast. But that's just the difference in doing it for a living and being off of work and enjoying the day. But but yeah, I mean, pay attention to every bite. I, my, my thing is I always say why, why. And that was my that was a game my daddy taught me, and that's probably to this day why I'm I'm pretty good at it. Is he always made it a game. We, we get to catch a fish, you go, why is he here for Why was he here there? Why was he there? Why was he there? And then uh, that was just always our game, and it kind of translated over into what I do for a living now. Yeah. That's so, awesome. uh, Matt, the uh, fall fishing, 
It's, temperatures are starting to cool down. I know that means uh, we ought to start thinking about breaking out the jig, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. What 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 do I need to know about that for fall time jig fishing? Uh, you know, to me, fall fishing with a jig is all about ready to fall. You know, a lot of times you start uh, early in the year as the water starts cooling, they'll, they'll suspend that pie. They're, they're, to me, they're more related to bait early in, in the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, they're on shad and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I love white jig this time of year. Absolutely okay. love it. Huh. Uh, I take a white jig and white spicy beaver and shove it on there, and it's uh, it's absolutely deadly on a world of different targets for uh, fish that are heavily feeding on, on shad. But as the fall goes on, I think as the water cools, a lot of these lakes, you know, you take like up, up you know, you said something about uh, Table Rock or Bull Shoals or, mm -hmm. you know, this time of the year, they, they start drawing those things down and water levels start getting low. And I think it kind of exposes a lot of crawfish. Uh, they okay. kind of get, they're up shallower. Uh, and there, as the water starts cool, they get a little more active. And I think as the late in the fall as that water temperature starts getting down in the you know upper 50s low 60s all the way down to the mid 50s i think they really start getting that they'll feed up real good on on crawfish they're trying to put on you know weight and they kind of get available because you know a lot of people they'll still buy the jig you know when it's real real cold but uh that's just out of natural habit but i think that the crawfish aren't aren't necessarily that available to them when it gets that cold because they kind of get dormant Mm -hmm, so they quit, you know, that, that there's not that available to them. But if a bass sees a crawfish, I'm 99% sure if he can get him, he'll get him. Have you started to look at the schedule for the elites next year and also the classic? Do you start, do you start uh, doing some homework? What's the, the, what's the big strategy during the off season when you start looking for, for next season? You know, I've started getting itch the last few days that, uh, I started looking at it. I, I've got to make some, I got a couple trips. I want to go to prepare for some stuff, uh, coming up kind of excited about, uh, Santee Cooper this year. We're, mm -hmm. You know, we're going to be there on the right moon phase. And if all the moon and the stars line up, that thing could be absolutely stupid. It could be a Preston Clark kind of deal where, where it's just 30 pound bag after 30 pound bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, if it's real cold, be miserable but you know that's uh it's a good schedule it's, it's a really good schedule we're gonna be up on on ontario uh there'll still be a lot of, if it's like this year there'll still be a lot of those big smallmouth spawning uh it's gonna be you know the florida lakes i've never been a big florida guy you'd think a flipper and pitcher would love florida but man florida's brutal on me i don't know why it uh i, I have struggled down there uh Typically, if I come out of there in, in the top 20 in those tournaments, Classic's a done deal. I don't have to worry about it the rest of the year. <laughs> what, make, what makes Florida so hard tough for you? It's, it's getting easier. The biggest thing that I had to learn is I'm a pattern fisherman, and I like to move a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's the hardest thing for me to get used to was that all the fish in the lake swim to one little bitty place in Florida. Mm -hmm. And you think you catch a few and you just leave. No, they just keep coming. Yeah, and every, everywhere else in the country, you don't caught them. So it's just a totally different mindset. I mean, you're fishing for big schools of fish down there that for whatever reason, it, I still don't understand why 
a thousand bass decide to go to one little bitty patch of lily pads and spawn. <laughs> I mean, how did all those fish know that that little, that little bitty patch of lily pads was good? But they do it. And it's, uh, I don't know. That's the Florida is the one state where you have to have the patience of a saint. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be, you have to have the confidence that there's a big group there and just wait them out. And everywhere else in the country, if you have a lot of confidence and wait them out, you die a slow, miserable death. <laughs> uh, speaking of slow, do you ever, uh, you ever fish a Ned rig? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, one of the most phenomenal days I ever had was when we had that mystery, well, it wasn't a mystery term, it was an AOY term up at Mille Lacs. I actually mm-hmm. went up and, and pre-fished that thing. And uh, back then, I borrowed a buddy's boat. I had a guy that lived up in Minnesota. He says, hey, he says, just come up here and get my boat. And uh, you ain't got to drag yours all the way up. So I went up there and we were fishing. And then he could, you could have somebody in the boat with you. And he had never fished a place. He lived in Wisconsin. So he had some Senkos in the boat. And I'd been hearing about this thing called a Ned Rig. We went to a tackle store and they had some VMC bottleheads in there. We was eating dinner, and I said, I'll tell you what, dude, boy, if this thing, what I heard about this is true, I'm going to skin you up tomorrow. <laughs> I think I had five smallmouth that weighed about 33 or 34 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and all, all the, the, rest of the, the rest of the time we were up there, he just cried and moaned about how bad he got whooped with a dog turd. He said, I've been beat with a lot of stuff, and I ain't never been beat with a dog turd, man. <laughs> Uh, our buddy uh, Booster emailed me a, a, a question for me, and he said, in July, you wrote an article, and you said, I'm going to fish at the St. Lawrence River like it's a series of one-day fruit jar tournaments. I really have to shake things up and get myself out of the place I'm in. You end up finishing in 84th place at St. Lawrence. With that finish, does he feel he got, I quote, out of his place he was in? What happened no, there? I stayed in it. <laughs> you know, that tournament right there, I should have had a phenomenal tournament. And I literally, I zigged when I should have zagged the whole time. I never, that's probably the the only tournament in my career where I was around them and didn't catch them. And Why it is that, though? What's, what well, that happen? You know, sometimes you can get some bites that lead you in the wrong direction. And you got to remember the year before we'd been there, uh, those fish were 25 to 30 foot deep. They had already gone out. Well, it was a totally different year. And with everything was way behind. Well, first day of practice, I kind of rolled up there shallow and didn't do any good the first couple of hours. Well, I rolled out there in 25 foot and all of a sudden there they are. And that was just death because I got like seven or eight bites a day that were the right ones in practice. Uh, you know, they were four and five pounders, but it wasn't groups and I never could find the groups. So I kind of sold out on that, that depth zone. And it just, I got, I just got on the wrong deal. I mean, it just, there's no excuse. I just didn't get on the right deal. I just, uh, oh, well. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like knowing a place too well, you kind of go back to the things that you're, you're used to doing in some instances. Well, it, not just that. I mean, I I was probably catching 30 or 40 a day. Really? I got through, I got on three or four big schools of smallmouth and, you know, in practice, those schools, I would go, I would catch a couple of two and a half, three pounders. Then I'd catch a five. 
And I'm like, well, they're mixed up together. I just got same deal. You just got to be patient. And you do up there a lot because uh, you get around an area and they'll move around and just because they're on a hump and on the front of it today, they may be off the side tomorrow. And a lot of days you'll roll up there. I've made the mistake of, you know, you'll fish where they were and they ain't there and you'll leave. Well, well a lot of times you just got to kind of move around. Smallmouth got that attitude and that tail and they'll swim around on you. They, they'll live on a piece of structure, but they ain't always set up the same place. Well, the whole time I'm getting bites. I just didn't get the right ones. I mean, it was, it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It, uh, oh, well, it, it, it happens. Yeah, yeah. And I ain't going to beat myself up about it. it uh, you know, it, it, it's Champlain. You know, Lowen and I are really, really good friends. Yeah. And he was struggling. Lowen's the best. Oh, yeah. And, and he was struggling trying to make the classic. I pretty much knew all I had to do was catch a few fish there, and I'm in. And I think that was kind of something that happened to me at St. Lawrence, too. I knew I had made the classic, and I was literally trying to win that tournament. And I just, I, I, I shot and missed, is all I can tell you. But anyhow, it, uh, I got on the right fish at Champlain and gave him the bill. And then Bill didn't even go fish him. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, he went and did his thing. And then the second day, I went and caught like 19, right at 19 and a half pounds. And I told after after I told him, if you ain't going, I'm going to go catch some in, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had Bill, we had Bill on uh, a few weeks ago, and he talked about your friendship and, and what a good friend you are and that you guys hang out a lot together. And he mentioned that when he won at Pickwick, you stayed behind and how much that meant to him. What what was that like for you uh, to be there when Bill won that, that tournament? Probably the only time I've ever cried when one of my competitors beat me. And, uh, <laughs> I just, I know how hard it is. And, and you know, I, I've won the FLW tournament, you know, yep. and I've won the Texas Toyota. And mm-hmm. I've had some success, but I've seen how, how close, how many times he's got there. And I know what, you know, what a great person he is and what a great fisherman he is. And, uh, he was kind of cut. We were cutting up at night, and I was actually gonna pack up and go home. And then I was getting ready, and he uh, he mumbled something about stay. He'd see me tomorrow Sunday afternoon. And I said I ain't staying. And then I told him. I said if, if it looks like you got a chance to win, I'll be there, buddy. And I sat there and sat there and sat there. I ain't never fussed at bass live so much. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he only knew how bad I was like. <clears throat> You need another one, dummy. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's uh So yeah, what'd you think when what'd you think when he got that big in there? I was only worse than that after that, because I think he'd realized he done kind of kicked it neutral. He thought he'd done one. And I was watching what Brock was doing. And uh I'm fussing it it live going, man, you need to shut up, go catch another one. This mm-hmm. dude's wrecking them. You, you you ain't got it one. And uh it was pretty cool. I mean, it was to stand backstage, and uh, it's, it's it's it was just special. And to have a friend like that, yeah, it's a, uh, you know what? I will tell you a funny story. People think that, that that we work together and we do all this that and the other. We do and we don't. It uh, we share what we think they're doing. Uh, you know, are they in the creeks or you know, kind of just what we think, what stage the fish are doing, and this that and the other. But out of all the years that he and I have been buddies, and out of all the years that he known, he's known where I was, and I've known where he was, and I've known where the fish were. 
I bet you there ain't been one time that we've crossed paths in a tournament. Wow. Once. And that's just, that's just common respect. And that's, uh, that's just the way we do it. And it's, it's, uh, you got to have a good friend to trust somebody with your livelihood. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. That, that uh, you, you can't say anything more about Bill. He's just just a genuine good dude. When he was on here, he was the one that said, oh, you should get a hold of Matt. And I'm like, oh, every time Matt and I talk, <laughs> it's, well, we, I end up ca- doing an interview with you. And then I put the camera down. I'm like, we should talk about this. And then it, <laughs> and, and I, but uh, Bill is just one of the good guys. Uh, you you talked about Brock. Uh, how good is that young man as a fisherman? He's really figured it out. I mean, he, he really about, has. He he he's coming to his own this year. He uh, if it if it, it's, I hated to see the heartbreak in his face at Pickwick, and uh, I'm I'm I'm, joy, I'm tickled to death for Bill, and I seen that it, it just it was devastating to him. I mean, he really thought he had won that tournament. And I went up to him and, and afterwards and I put my hand on his shoulder and I told him, I said, buddy, you ain't got nothing to put your head down about. I said, you did everything you could do to win this tournament. Yeah. I said, Bill Lowen caught an eight-pounder. And I said, you can't do nothing about that. Yeah. I said, you fish clean. I said, you just, you keep doing what you're doing and you're going to get yours. Mm-hmm. And that's all, that's all we can do. I mean, just do your job. Don't worry about the rest. And if you catch it, your time will come. Yeah, he, he's an amazing angler. He is. There's there's a bunch of young guys that are coming up, man. I mean, the field that I'm fishing against right now, uh, it gets stronger every year. And it's uh, it's kind of funny that, that the Elite Series field as it is right now. Uh, before, the, before the split, there was a lot of egos, guys. A lot of egos. And, 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 and a lot of what, what you call Neanderthals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, I, Big heads. and I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now i don't miss them at all and, and it's just because in the last three years i've stood in bag lines and i've stood in, in pre-tournament meetings and i've stood shoulder to shoulder with these guys and there's there's a general uh goodness about this group there's a closeness about this group uh we compete we play hard I mean, we play rough, but it uh, it's it's nice to come in at the end of the day and see smiles and see people that are that are want to be there mm-hmm. and uh, ain't got something negative to say every word that comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mister Bass, I got I have to yeah. ask a follow up. Go right ahead, Steve. Uh, what what do you think about the guys that like? I mean. There's a like Prosnick coming back. That's wonderful for y'all, in my opinion, because Prosnick's a great angler. But what are your thoughts about the guys who made that decision to leave and were very vocal, and then out of nowhere realized the grass wasn't as green as they thought, and now are made their way back? Do you welcome them back? Sure, sure. I talked to Jacob Prosnick up here at Neely Henry. I live right here, and he, oh yeah, he was up here last year and he was really struggling with the idea. You know, yes. he had made the decision to come back. And, uh, I mean, we, I, I, I was just going to pull over. I didn't know if he talked to me or not. Cause he was still fishing. Jacob and I always got along when he was here. Jacob was one of the ones that was what I call one of the good guys. He, uh, but we always enjoyed talking and I pulled over and I seen him in the parking lot working on his, on his tackle, getting ready for the tournament. And 
all of a sudden, well, I'm sitting there an hour and a half later. He and I had a long talk. And, uh, you know, look, everybody's got their reasons for doing everything. And, and you can't fault a guy that thinks that he's going to, he's doing something better for himself and his family. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, this sport is as much driven off of sponsors as it is off of anchors, off of competition. And the media machine that Bass is, is how we all make a living. Because they provide us a great platform to compete. But yet, we're, we're able to promote whoever wants to sponsor us as long as it ain't some god awful off the wall perverted product mm-hmm. if, if you go out and you land a sponsor you can openly promote that and if you and if you you're angry catching them they provide the platform and that's something that no other tournament organization's got What's going on over there is still a closed door party, just like it's always been. I started my career at FLW, and the reason why I left is because unless it was their sponsor, you couldn't promote it. So how am I going to make a living? If I go out next year and I, and I fish all my elite series tournaments and I finish in, in the top 10 and every one of them, but I finish 10th in every one of them, I ain't going to win but $120,000. It's going to cost me 80 to operate next year. So how are you going to make a living without your sponsors? Mm-hmm. And, and to have sponsors, you have to be able to promote those sponsors and you have to generate sales for those sponsors. And it's, that's, I mean, we ain't major league baseball. We're not getting paid millions of dollars to show up and compete. So it's kind of a catch 22. So I don't know what the answer is, but I never doubted for one minute. My whole question when that whole deal started splitting up is, <laughs> Have you talked to all these different sponsors? And I kept getting told, oh, yeah, we've talked to them. We've talked to them. And I would talk to them. And they said, no, we ain't heard a word. And I, I, I opted out. I'm like, no, not me, boys. Y'all have fun. Yeah. So. It was a the- it was a weird, that was a weird summer. I mean, we were at ICAST and we kind of, the media kind of got wind of what was going on. And then it was, you know, who's going where, this and that. And then that, and then the split really had a an effect on both sides because it was, you know, you're close with a lot of those guys. But let me ask you this one question: This, this, you think about this one for a while. This was told to be the best thing that ever happened to professional fishing, right? It was. Then why do you take when you could have taken, if you wanted to truly take the sport, why did you take? 50% of the anglers and exclude the other 50%. Hmm? Yeah, it was. Why, why, do, why do you pick and choose? Yeah, the picking and choosing was, uh, you know, you were either, uh, this is going to get me in trouble. Either you were a good friend of Boyd's and you got invited or, you know, you kind of were, well, you can pay to get in or whatever. And like I said, the, the ownership, the majority of those guys that are directing that other league single-handedly destroyed the best thing that could have been for fishing, which was the PAA. They had their own personal agendas, and they did not want it to succeed. 
And when they come up with the MLF platform, they absolutely put a titanic bomb in the PAA. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you're dealing with egos and agendas like that, it ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I agree. We, we talked about this for two hours one day. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't, I don't need to say a lot about it. I don't have to go over there. I'm never going over there. I'll be retired. Yeah. I don't care if, if, I, if I had to go fishing tomorrow and, and I, there wasn't no other league, I'd just quit. I ain't going over. Yeah. yeah. I think I, there's a lot of people just, that feel that way. I've always been about what was best. The one thing you can always say about me, I want what's best for the anglers. I want the anglers to succeed. And uh, do I think that it could be better for the anglers in all leagues. Yeah, I do. But, you know, we got to come up with some kind of consensus and some kind of workability to, uh, to make, see that happen. And it's, you know, everybody says, well, this, this league's making all this money and this, that, and the other. Well, uh, I would hate to know what it costs to operate bass. My God, man. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we could it's probably more you can imagine what it is it's probably more than you can imagine oh i couldn't imagine and i mean i i help run a business day to day and i i mean people don't see uh all the the uh the payrolls and they don't see all yeah. the, the social security taxes and the income taxes and the insurance and but i mean it's this goes on and on and on and on and on and when you see the number of employees and what it costs to put them on the road for the weeks that they're on the road and and uh you know, and they're like us. They ain't in this deal to not make a profit. Mm-hmm. If they ain't making a profit, they can't stay in business either. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's kind of a catch twenty two. But I yeah. think right now fishing's in a good place. It uh, my gosh, as long as as long as uh, the leadership in this country don't sink our economy, it's fishing's as good as it's been in a long time. I agree. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I want one thing I wanted to ask you is uh, I read the old article uh, in Bassmaster uh, a while back, uh, quite a while back now. The old Donnie Barone uh, wrote about you, and uh, he talked about the uh, ten years worth of notebooks that uh, you lost. Uh, and I didn't really want to get into that too much, but what I did want to ask you about because this fascinates me. The fact that you, for so many years, have kept these meticulous notes about your fisheries and the way you fish. And I think this is something that so many of us never even think about, and that is uh, taking notes of, of, of your fishing. And he I was was, hoping maybe you could share that with us. When he'd done that article, he, he kind of got messed up on it, but it's okay. He, uh, we had moved. And in the course of moving, we built a new home. And locally around here, I had kept notes after notes after notes. I mean, I could go back to uh, March at Lay Lake for 15 years, you know. And, and I was, in my younger days, I slammed eat up with it, son. I wanted, I, I was notes and detail oriented. And uh, somehow in the move, all that stuff got gone. It was we were we were throwing stuff away and burning stuff. You know how it is. We've been living in the house thirty years. Yeah. So they were gone, and, and that's what I was telling him. I said, you know, I said, I feel like part of my soul was gone, and uh, I still jot down notes here and there about certain tournaments. But I'm not near as meticulous as I used to be, simply because 
if I were fishing at, if I were fishing bodies of water X, Y, and Z, and I, and I was going to fish in the rest of my life, I would keep notes like uh, water temperatures, time of year, all that kind of stuff. And that's what I did. And yeah. then, uh, you'd start seeing a pattern there about mm-hmm. what, what triggered them. But anymore where I fish, I fish bull shoals now. How many times have we been there in the last four times? Recently. Three or four times. And anyway, the point of this deal is I've never caught fish in the same place at bull shoals two times ago. Uh, everywhere that we go, uh, we, was at, we was at Lake Champlain this time. I did not catch any fish at Champlain as many times as I've been there. I caught my fish somewhere totally different than I've ever fished at Champlain. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they changed so much. They're getting conditioned to, to fish in the same places is almost like a kiss of death. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of freed me up to quit taking so much notes. And I kind of figured that out. I can go back in now and it will, with bass. I can go back in and look at my angler profile and I can say, what time of year was we at St. John's last year? Uh, and, you know, and I can say, well, we were there in February, but, and I can say, well, what was the weather like? And I can go back and look at all the, the, the national weather service blogs on daily highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And then I can look at the moon phase and I can get real close to what I need to know. But when you're fishing the same body of water all the time, you fish a lot more of it. So I've just kind of learned that I'm better off now to use that general information and fly by the seat of my pants. But it was that 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 story he wrote was at that time I discovered that I, I was going to give all that stuff to my kids. And I'm like, Dad, damn it, Don. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> my little nephew's here, Callan. It is his birthday today, too. So happy birthday, Callan. He says, what's up, guys? But, you know, Clun, I think it was Clun back in the days who got me started doing that. Really? Yeah, I mean, back when I was a teenager, and uh, I, I'm 90% sure Clun used to keep all kind of notes. Well, uh-huh. it, it was Clun or one of the... That I'm sounds not, like Clun. Yeah, and it was, that's when I started doing it. And it, uh, for a lot of years at home, it helped me because it, it would... Because I had, to, you know, I was the guy, I had a lot of success locally. I mean, I won a lot of tournaments at home. And, but I was the guy that had to work Monday to Friday. There wasn't no getting off on Thursday to go pre-fish. Mm-hmm. So I was the guy that showed up cold turkey on Saturday morning and won. And it was, I always prayed on Friday for a big nasty cold front in the spring or something. Because I knew if all them, guy, all them guys had been pre-fishing all week long. <clears throat> I used to kid a really good friend of mine here, Joe Lay. He, me, uh, he and I used to cut up. He called me on Friday night, and I tell him about cold front coming. I said, "Boy, y'all better catch them before ten o'clock, because if you ain't got them ten o'clock, I'll be done figuring it out. You in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, you're fishing the redfish cup. All right, how much red fishing do you do? Just out of curiosity, not a whole lot. <laughs> but but it's always been when we're at the Sabine River or uh, down at uh, Morgan City fishing the uh, Chaffalaya. Or... Mm-hmm. Well, redfish are kind of like this. You don't have to fish for them. They'll fish for you. You just got to be silent. <laughs> right. If, if, 
if you're around where they live, they fight. Yeah, and they fight. Then they their fight is a lot better too. Just just saying. They are. It. Uh, you know, it's a really this is a cool idea. I got called up and uh, uh, was asked if I was interested, and I thought, heck yeah. Get Who's your partner for it? Uh, guy, I think he's out of Tampa, Florida. His name's Chad Manning. We've talked on the phone two or three times, and he's about as fired up. He's a big red, redfish hand. Okay. Most, most of these guys we've been paired with are, you know, really, really good redfish guys. Yeah. So, at uh, now Chad, now he and, he and I, we don't know diddly do about the water down there, so we'll be <laughs> lost. But we got three days of practice, and it uh, it'll be fun to get in the boat. I told him I'm a I'm a heck of a net guy, and I'm a and I'm a darn good backseat guy. So it uh, you point me in the general direction, and if he's there, I'll catch you. <laughs> it uh, it's gonna be fun. I mean, we'll get to kind of put our heads together and try to formulate something on the fly, and we're gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to step out of my world and get to see the world through somebody else's eyes for a little while, and uh, get to enjoy the being down on the coast. The, my, I'm I'm excited about going there because I like to eat. <laughs> are you going to throw a bait caster though, or are you going to sp- throw a, a, a spinning? Boy, if you see me with a spinning rod, it's bait. It'll be it'll be odd to see someone red fishing with a with a bait caster. To be honest, well, the only reason you know I was talking to Chad, and the biggest reason he gave me for using a spinning rod so much is if you're if you're looking at them, uh, you can throw a spinning reel a whole lot further than you can throw a bait caster. Yeah. I mean that you can open that bell up and you can throw that thing a mile. So if you're seeing those tails out of the water. That's that. You but know, with they, your they, accuracy, that's going to be the best thing about it. You'll be you dropping know, dimes on their noses. It's going to be funny because they, they've kind of thrown some curves in there. We can't use platforms. We can't. Uh, you can't use a polling platform. No. No. Wow. We're, we're all fishing out of bay boats. So we'll be in 23 to 24 foot bay boats, which is going to make it really interesting as far as trying to get back in that skinny uh, water. In that yeah. skinny water, so they've kind of limited us on that. Uh, so, you know, some of these guys have got some highly specialized flats boats, and mm-hmm. you know they're really set up for it. So as far as that competition goes, it would kind of make it hard on us, but it's a uh, it's it's going to be neat. I yeah, mean, as long as we don't get no major cold fronts, and I want it to cool off, but that I'm sure by I want to be there the 12th through the 14th or something. Mm-hmm. It uh, The weather ought to be gorgeous down there. And like I said, I like to eat. I, I ain't never been near the Gulf Coast down there where they didn't have something good to eat. Yeah, you're gonna, you'll are gonna you eat really well for a few days. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, so, uh, Matt, your home lake is uh, Neely Henry. If I've never fished there at all, what's the best time of year to go down and give it a try? You know, my favorite time of year is in the fall. Right now, really? I mean, I, I really like it. November, December, as it starts uh-huh. cooling off. Yep, it uh, it's fun like to fish, and it's it, it's a good bass lake. I mean, it's got spotted bass, large mouth, and it uh, they kind of get aggressive. Right now, the shad. I uh, I was up that way just trying to ride drove through town, and I could see all the backwaters. The shad have already pushed up in all the sloughs, and mm-hmm. so I'm sure the bass ain't far behind. And it won't be long; they'll be eating a buzz bait, and it'll the square bill and the spender bay to get going and as it cools off we'll get to catch some coosa river spots out on the river with the jig and then awesome my my favorite thing to do over now you ain't gonna believe this but i am a, i am a die hard love to shoot dot crappie guy really oh i'm a first jerker man really 
it's just That's, funny to see them folks that come that they'll be up there on their piers and stuff and you got a wrap boat and you got your feet dangling off driving your old tracks with your fingers and got a four <laughs> foot rod with yellow line on their shoes <laughs> That takes that's that a is, skill too. That is really cool. Look, they ain't, they ain't, I guarantee you, if you survey every one of us at tournament fish, we're still I, I know I am. I'm like a big kid. I want to get bites. And it uh when it gets when I by this time of the year, you know, you kind of you, you burn out. You you get tired and the grind and mentally. But it's kind of cool just to go be a kid again and get a bunch of bites and enjoy the day and it uh just i don't know that's it's still it, when i quit loving doing that i'm gonna get out of it yeah okay we're gonna let you go if you don't because i don't want to keep you all night but i know i have a couple things everyone uh-huh. you got to go make sure you go to uh facebook.com matt heron fishing uh make sure you check out skeeter and yamaha dirty jigs tackle reaction innovations i mean i can't say more good things about the skinny dippers I'm not saying I throw the skinny dipper since I live in Florida, but I am saying I throw that skinny dipper <laughs> all the time. Uh, uh, and Minkota Humbird. What's that? You don't throw a Houdini color any, do you? No, no. I, I It's black and blue, and that's it. <laughs> ah, you need to throw that Houdini now. You, you know, that that skinny dipper, you know, at one point in time, they don't own the, the marina at Lake Big Toho. Did you know? I forgot their names. Detwater? Yeah, they just sold it. Yeah. And uh but I remember going in there and going fishing and 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 they all they had was a wall of skinny dippers. And I thought, what is there no other baits made for Toho? <laughs> and Cody was like, you know, you need this, Steve. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. And then the whole day I wrecked them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on with this? But uh well, broaden yeah, your horizons. Get you some June bug. Get you some Houdini. And uh, that penetration. I mean, there ain't. That's if they don't bite them through, you ain't gonna catch them. Yeah, I mean, the, the the bait's wonderful. I'm just I'm just saying that right right off the. I, I ain't seen a bait yet. You cover more water effectively than you can with that bait. Yeah, that bait. It, it, yeah, you really. It's a great search bait. They bite it. They eat it. They 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 destroy it. And, and you want to know the other good thing about it? Now that I'm off topic and I'm not even thinking about it. Those baits last, you know, you can catch five, six, ten fish on one bait, which is nice. They don't yep. just tear off a one after one bite, you're redoing it, which I appreciate. Well, I'm planning I'm planning on uh, wrecking some redfish with it. I promise you that. Yeah, that's you you probably will do well. Okay. Minkota, <laughs> yeah. Hummingbird, Bandit, Kistler Rods, Leet Tungsten, Buck Island. Make sure you go check out Matt and uh Give them a like and and dude, we really do appreciate the time and and we're so happy. You, you dropped some knowledge on knowledge on us today that I'm like my mind is now a little bit perplexed and going. I've been flipping the wrong shit. Oops, sorry, the wrong stuff <laughs> at the wrong things, and now I'm like I need to go out flipping. I need to start. I need to go out and flip the the, the weeds out in the the frog pond. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little story before I get off here. When I was down at Lay Lake, we got it, that lake used to, and it still is, it's full of water well. And it, uh, when I, we got to going, how many of you, you ever heard of a Shimano brush buster reel, flipping reel? I have not. No. That was back like in the 70s. They come out with one that literally didn't have a worm gear on it. You mashed the button, pull the line out, and we were, we were flipping. We wasn't pitching. And we had, uh, you know, 
back then. And then we had, a, I think they were Fenwick fiberglass flipping sticks that weighed about 17 pounds. <laughs> but, but, but me and a buddy of mine that uh, I fished with forever when I got tournament fishing, we got so engrossed with it. We would literally, I was so broke back then. I didn't have money. I think we might've took a sandwich, couldn't afford nothing else to drink. So we had one of these little two gallon igloo water coolers. And in Alabama, July and August is hot sun. Mm-hmm. So we, we fill up the ice water cooler. We take two flipping sticks apiece. And I went down there and I flipped that grass. We'd go every Saturday and Sunday. And I learned more. Everybody said, well, how do you learn so much about flipping fish? And I said, that's all you do all day. And you want to get a bite, you learn a lot of ways to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if, if a guy wants to learn how to do it and get effective at it, just just commit to it. I mean, especially, I mean, you don't – some of the best – Flipping and pitching time or pitching baits of it, you know, lakes I've ever seen is lakes that people would never dream you do it on. And those fish don't get pressure. Mm-hmm. Like I said, something as simple as shade can offer you some unbelievable days on the water. Yeah. Yep. Awesome, man. You're really the best. Really. We Thank we when we told we had Bill Amazing. on the other day. I said to him, the one thing, the one thing I love about you is you just shoot it straight. You're not giving us a line of BS. You just are honest, humble, and good. And I, I love you for it, man. Thank you, buddy. Y'all call me anytime. Great right, show. We'll talk to you soon, Thanks, Matt. Matt. Appreciate Thanks, it. Buddy. Later, bro. Take care. Wow. Dude, that was better than anyone we've done. That was great. Man, it was I just I mean, that great. was stupid. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's awesome, man. He's amazing. Uh, we need to have him on again soon. He's got so much knowledge. I mean, if you think about it, we only talked pretty much about one technique. Yes. He doesn't know. He's not just locked into only one technique, by yeah. the way. He's he's locked in. I mean, he's 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 uh <laughs> he's talented, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and just a good dude. Just a really, really good dude. You know, you text him, and he's one of those guys that as soon as you – well, you know who I texted earlier. I haven't heard back from yeah. that person yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you, might I, need his, you might need to text his agent. Uh, yeah, well, if that's the case, then that person isn't coming up. <laughs> but I, you text Matt, and within 30 seconds of texting him, he's like, of course, Steve, yes, anything you want. And it's like, how do you get someone better than that? Him and yeah. Bill are like that. Yeah, that's right. They're great. So it, it's just it's wonderful to hear from him. That's all. Okay. Well, I, and I'm, and we, I got to say, we apologize. I know there were a bunch of people. There were people texting me questions. I'm sorry I didn't answer, ask them. There was some that were <laughs> here. There was one good one that I really wanted to ask about him and Tharp. Yeah, I saw that. I almost asked it, and then I thought, I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I was I was unsure about that one too. Uh, I. I know that that prop that issue. I remember seeing it on uh, YouTube about seventy-two million times that that weekend. Yeah, it was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, it really was. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't sure how. I didn't know how to broach the subject, to be honest, because he was he was you know he, you know he dropped a little bit on the major league fishing stuff, but he was still. I could tell he kind of was a little reserved, but luckily it wasn't three years ago when it happened because. I can tell you uh, that 
I remember seeing it at iCast three years ago, and and I and I don't even know what Skinny Dipper came out or something came out, new Little Beaver or something. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, it was it was like two hours of you know his thoughts on on what was going on with Major League Fishing. Now it's a little bit different because you know, luckily there's been three years and everyone can kind of pull back a little bit, but he's still passionate about what what was going on for sure. No doubt, no doubt. It was it was cool. It was fun. So since last time we talked, we talked about it a little bit last uh, last show. Yeah, it just popped up last show, didn't it? It was just just starting just starting to percolate. It was yeah, it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't even a big that big of a topic. Uh, but the the Luke Duncan Rob Turkula feud, we were we'll be brutally honest. We were going to do a show on everything we had learned on Friday night. Yeah, we were going to do an a, an emergency show. Yes, it would have been fun, but but we thought you know we need to be fair here. We need to get all the information. We need to we don't want to spread any rumors. We don't want to start talking about something that uh, we don't really know what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and there was so much that, that was said, if you missed uh, Luke's initial show, uh, Luke went, I mean, he was very upset that Rob left uh, the tournaments early, two tournaments early. He went off. Off. Yes, he did. And, and what was your opinion? Of, what did you think of that little diatribe? So, <laughs> the controversy clicks, as, as I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, I think... YouTubers can never be professional anglers. Let's get that straight. Get it out there right now. Yeah. Because that's a hard and fast fact. I don't know if it's a fact. <laughs> I'm just but kind of interpreting... I'm just kind of interpreting what Luke said there. Yeah, it was his opinion, and, and he's allowed his to give opinion. his opinion. I, I, you know, you can kind of see a side for both, but I think yeah. the, the part that uh, I, that I had to side with, the, the, there's ups and downs. First, let's just say uh, Rob wrote the, uh, made a video and, you know, both of them end up taking it down, which was yeah. good because Luke started getting death threats, which is completely out of the stuff. Yeah, but, ridiculous. In my opinion, well, while I think Turkish Rob should have uh, it just told them what was going on, in my opinion, NPFL needs Rob more than anything. And that's yeah. just my opinion. Well, uh, he, he's, he's got to be, just as far as the general public goes, he's got to be the most well-known person on tour. He is. Um, you know... I looked up, you know, you know, you know how my stats stuff goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Statistician. Yeah. So, as much as they won't, don't want to, uh, probably ever admit this. Uh, Rob, NPFL on Facebook and YouTube had about a hundred and forty thousand views, uh, and that was it. Now, that's not a lot. That was for the whole season. I know Turkula paid his money. He's allowed to go whenever he wants. But uh-huh. 
you still got to remember it's very frowned upon to leave the tournament early by everybody. Yeah. Uh, but he's allowed to do what he wants. I'm not, I'm not taking, let him do whatever he wants. Yep. In the very few um, videos that I saw that he talked about MPFL, he had over 1.5 million views. Mm. So. 10 times. Yes. At least 10 times. Yeah. And when he was down here in Florida, while there wasn't a ton of people um, at the tournament, he gave away all of his tournament gear on the last day. And that last day drew in more people than I than any of the tournaments together. Yeah. So while you have to go, you know, NPFL, you know, Luke does a great job. I'm not taking anything away from Luke or David Dudley or Fat Cat, any of them. And having Luke as they, – they admitted that the, the game plan was to have – use Duncan's and all these guys' um, media stuff to help draw people in. Mm-hmm. Really, Turkula did more than that than any of that. Yeah. Uh, you can – Well, you, I mean, Turkula if you were to if you were to compare Turkula to any anybody on the pro circuit, you could say from KVD on down, Turkula is a professional – social media guy that's what he yes. does that's it that's it none of the rest of us are i mean you know as far as uh the people in on on the circuit goes and it doesn't matter if you're in flw or mlf or bass they're all anglers trying to make a living uh they're not social media Let's he is an influencer media. he is an influencer that's it that's exactly what he is that's his role in the world right now and, and and when he said he was joining these tournaments, there were many, many people that went, I said it. Why? Why would you yeah. do this? Yeah, I said it too. Well, thought, why would you want to put yourself through that this BS that's going to happen if you don't succeed? Well, not only that, um, I agree with Luke when he says, a YouTuber, meaning an inf- an influencer, can't succeed at professional uh, tournament fishing. Uh, and with this caveat, I agree with it initially because you can't go from never really fishing tournaments at all to just showing up to a professional tournament and think you're going to be successful. These guys will chew you up and spit you out. They are they are animals. And, 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 you know, they're so focused on it. It's their entire life. And, you know, I've, I've realized that, you know, you gotta, you gotta work your way up. You know, you can't fake time on the water. You can't fake tournament experience. There's so many decisions that have to be made during a tournament day that they don't just come naturally, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, this isn't taking anything away from Rob as a as an right. I, I fully I fully think that Rob could can absolutely be successful as a professional tournament angler if he sticks with it. But it's going to um, take time. It's going to take time. It's not going to yes. be an overnight thing. And I think Rob understands that. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's that naive. I think he was just frustrated. Now I'm putting my own thoughts in here. I think he just got frustrated. And listen, anybody that's fished a tournament and had a bad tournament knows what frustration is. Yeah. It's I, I think it's the, real. 
I think in going back to Luke, I think the part that Luke is frustrated on, and so would anybody, and same with the people at MPFL, is that they didn't know that he was having an issue. And that if they knew he was having right. an issue with PTSD, right. that there was something that could be done. Yeah. The problem that the problem that uh, Rob had is that he he didn't say it to start off with, and he, then he said a bunch of stuff about how bad the lakes were, and that he didn't like it, and that and that almost like they should cater to where he's going. But he knew where they were going before yeah. he yeah. signed up. Yeah, and and, it, and and take that same logic on any of the other tours. How many times, now granted, a lot of times they do try to say, look, we're going to go to this area during the spawn because it's amazing. But the reality is, even at the very highest level tournaments, they have bad lakes, they have bad tournaments, they have uh, tournaments where the weights are low, where there's, I mean, it's just, it's a part of fishing. Yeah. And you you are rarely you might hear a perfect like a Matt Heron. You might hear a Matt Heron say, Man, I had a really tough tournament. That was a tough lake. It was a really tough deal for me. But he's not gonna say, the freaking BASS guys, why can't they get the lake straight? Yeah. I mean, you know, he because I've heard them talk about this over and over the pros. What they say is it's still an equal playing field. We've all got to fish the same lake. If it's a terrible lake, we're all fishing a terrible lake. If it's an awesome lake, we're all fishing an awesome lake. It's all apples to apples, so no big deal. Yeah. So Luke not having – I think Luke and the management for MPFL not knowing what was going on uh, was an issue. And and at now having to take Rob's side, I don't know if he, he wanted that out. Uh, but he should have said that up front instead of yeah. saying all the negative things yeah. about the – the, the places they were going fishing. That's what that's what someone, that's how it should have. Now, did he pay his, his entry fees? Yes. That's, you're allowed to do whatever. But take, you want to, this has happened to everybody. It's unbelievably frowned on. Imagine if there was a co-angler and out of nowhere he decides to leave after day one. Now that co-angler is stranded. Uh, and that's happened in the past. Oh, when, yeah, this, definitely, when, definitely, when this when yeah. this all happened last week, um, <clears throat> throat starting to hurt. Um, it was I I I, I texted Ken, cousin Ken and said, mm-hmm. "How often does this happen?" And he said, "It's yeah. happened a lot." And yeah. usually, those people, it's it's really frowned on. Mm-hmm. Now the PTSD stuff, mental health that um, Rob's mental health is very is very important. Sure. But he he kind of mentioned something that I kind of didn't like. He he said, you know, all the Afghanistan stuff started happening again, and he started doing his his new podcast that was just strictly about Afghanistan. So some of this stuff it sounds like was kind of brought on by the things that he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know that for sure or not, and if it, if I'm yeah. wrong, I apologize to Rob. But I think we're NPFL and we're Luke and the rest of the guys, they were up. They were, they, they said, we're not happy that he just up and left on us. He right. should have told us what was going on and it would have made the whole thing better because I can, I, I know, I don't know Luke that well. And, and really, I think Luke ghosts me now. I don't, I, I don't think he let, locks me or I don't even know what the hell, to be honest. 
But if Luke would have known that, I know for a fact he would have never mentioned it in his podcast. Because the, the storm that happened after that was ridiculous. It so, was. And and I think I think it is important to mention that uh, you know, PTSD is real. Yes. It is a real thing. And it doesn't mean a person's weak. It some of the strongest, bravest people in our entire nation suffer from PTSD in really bad ways. So you have to take a person's word for that. When they say they're having PTSD issues, you have, you cannot discount that. Yes. Um, We're, I'm not I, discounting that at all. Right. In fact, if, if he's having issues, I hope that he's, he's going to a psychiatrist or going to someone that he can talk to so that he doesn't have these problems. Cause mental health is a serious, serious issue um, that ha- happens to a lot of uh, veterans and a lot of people. Uh, after the whole thing, and then they both of them took their videos down. Then, yeah. uh, of course, we had Turkla's video. Uh, not Turkla's. We had uh, uh, Duncan's new podcast that came out this this week, and he went over a lot of it. But then he threw our boy under the bus. I don't know, Bateman, but he threw our boy under the bus. Hey, he threw Kevin under the bus. There, I didn't understand that at all. I didn't either. That was a little odd. I mean, Kevin is one of the nicest guys in the whole fishing industry. Um, I've never, I mean, I've seen him make some jokes before, you know, like about Guggen Bates and stuff like that. That's pretty darn funny, actually. But I've never, I've never seen him do anything offensive. I've never seen him do anything to intentionally harm anyone. And I can't really believe uh, he, he, he would have done that to Luke. So I, I definitely, uh, you know, Bateman made a response and I, and I, I believe it was legitimate. I believe it was sincere. I, it was funny because in the middle of Bateman saying, he's like, you know, I know Photoshop, but I don't know it that well. And then I thought to myself, this is, this is naive me. I thought to myself, those memes are made in Photoshop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I like, that. I, could, no be, I could have been doing this for years. <laughs> And yeah. making a living on these. And I thought, how did, I don't even know how they, I didn't even, I honestly didn't know a meme was made out of Photoshop. It makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it, I think it's really tough. The, the, this community is very small. Yeah. Very, very yeah. small. Yep. And, you know, <clears throat> you don't, sometimes you, sometimes you need to bite your tongue and just go, I can't yeah. say this. Yes, you do. You and do. as and as tough as it is, uh, you know, it, it is tough. There are things I would love to say. There's things I'd love to say here, but I know that it, it could come back and bite us in the ass. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, and uh, not to say I'm perfect at this, but from the day I was born, my mother used to tell me the golden rule. <laughs> the golden rule. You don't hear many people talk about the golden rule anymore, but it's pre- it's real simple. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's it. Uh, and really, even as a YouTuber, you know, that's kind of something we need. Obviously, we want to talk about issues going on in the fishing community. We want to be involved in that. But we also need to think to ourselves, oh, wait a minute. Before I say this, if the roles were reversed, what I want 
that person saying that about me, you know? Uh, and a lot of times if you just stop and answer that question, you can be done. You don't have to, you don't have to upset anybody. You don't have to mess upset your sponsors. You don't have to ruffle any feathers. Um, because here, here's one thing, uh, like I said, there's some points I think that Luke made that were valid. There was definitely points that Rob made that were valid. Yes. But, but here's the deal. Did it have, did it really have to be brought to the world's attention? That is the, that's the, the greatest question of all. It didn't. It didn't even need to be brought out. There need, you know, there, it, it really, it really didn't. Just because you're upset because he left doesn't yeah. mean that you, it gives you the right as the face of MPFL to do that. And, and really when you're the, the face of something, you need to look at everything you say and do even more. I, I mean, when I did the fishing show, I used to get, he was on here earlier, Boudreaux. I used to get all over him because he would wait till the last minute to get his fishing license. And I would be like, imagine, you know, we did the radio show for 12 years. What if we were out fishing and now he always had his fishing license. Let me just say that. What if we were out fishing and we get stuck, pulled over by FWC, and you don't have your fishing license? Imagine the line of bullshit we would have to deal with if it got out that Fishing Florida Radio doesn't even have a fishing license and they're out fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's bad PR. It, it you know, it's 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 horrible. And and really, the NPFL doesn't need this either. That's that's where I don't think we'll even – hopefully the MPFL didn't get hurt by this whole thing, but I kind of feel like they did uh, because they – I'm not saying they didn't do the right thing by sticking by back and Luke because I, yeah. think, I think – I don't know. You know, there is, this, there is this thing we hear all the time, which is any publicity is good publicity. Anytime you can get noticed, it's good. And I don't know if I really agree with that because – I definitely think NPFL and Luke have gotten a lot of attention in the last week. Absolutely. You can't, you can't deny that, but is it worth it in the whole scheme of things? You know, is, is it, it really worth, worth it? it? Because yeah. now you have all these people that have a bad taste and in a league that had only 142,000 views and the guy that they had, the one of the, the arguably the biggest name on the tournament had 1.5, plus million views. The last thing you want to do is piss off Rob in that audience. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and, and that's, that's something that, you know, it, it, the MPFL doesn't need any bad stuff right now. And no, Grant no. said video was, can the Guggen squad compete in pro, pro fishing? Yes. Uh, can they, can they compete? Yes. Will they be good at it? Well, we saw this year they weren't very good at it. I mean, I saw Rob Rob fished. Uh, I know oh, I don't even know his name. One of the other guys did some other tournaments. He didn't do very well. It's a different breed of person to do a fishing tournament. That's the whole thing. It's a drastically different view. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody. If anybody wants to try and they pay their dues, then that's great. You know, the the problem that I saw with MPFL this year. There was only 27 anglers out of the hundred and some odd people that actually made money. Uh, yeah, that's, that's rough. And that's tough. That's yeah. really tough. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I, uh, I wonder how many people on our live stream watch uh, 
in PFL. Any of you guys follow it closely? Is it something, you know, that matters to you? Uh, that I, I was kind of excited when I heard that NPFL was coming to the scene for one reason. And that was one of the things that they said was part of their mission, if you will, is that there are a lot of really great anglers out there that are talented enough to fish at the highest level, yet financial constraints make it so that they have to work full-time jobs back home. And it's impossible to work a full-time job back home and be a BASS or a major league fishing tournament angler. You can't, you cannot make it happen. It's just practically impossible. Now, can you own a multi-million dollar company like uh, Boyd Duckett has done and be a pro angler? Yeah, you can do that. But if you're an average Joe, a average blue collar Joe that's got kids to feed and bills to pay, you can't do that. So one of their big missions was we're going to give these very highly skilled anglers who have to stay at home and work an opportunity to compete at the highest level and keep their day jobs, keep their jobs at home. And to me, I thought, hey, that's great. That's this is this fits a little niche that uh, the highest levels of pr- tournament angling can't accomplish. So that in and of itself, I thought was pretty cool. But I have been kind of surprised at how little the fishing community seems to pay attention to it right now. So I got I uh, Grant said they didn't need to worry why Rob left. They did need to worry why Rob left. It doesn't matter that he paid his salary. Uh, Rob was a draw that brought people to their tournaments. And while you might not think it's a frown upon everybody, uh, it is a frown upon a league that needed Rob there. They need that publicity. You want to know it? Why didn't the other 80 guys that didn't make money, why did they just not drop off? They all paid their dues too. It's a matter of, (laughs) of common respect. You do this. And yeah. this is the, the whole thing. You just don't drop off after the first day. Now the PTSD stuff, that has a different influence. But just because he paid his money doesn't mean that you do that to the tournament or the organization, especially in organizations that's in their first year. They need to have, they need to, you know, Rob, it, as much as you might not like it or anybody, they might not like it. Rob was the biggest draw in that whole tournament. And if he's yeah, not and- there, then they're, they're in trouble. And, and, and in order for any tournament organization to succeed, they need the unity and the and the support of the anglers. Um, that that's an important part of it. I'd say, especially in your infancy, in your first few years. If I were them, I'd be tickled to death to have Rob aboard. So uh, anybody know, would, and, and I would be distraught if he was leaving early because I would be thinking, oh man. That we got kids and all kinds of Guggen lovers and people that come to these tournaments just to see Rob and he's not even here. He's left. Yeah. Uh, And and it would, all it took, all it took was, you know, (laughs) what was then? What was it? Um, And, and fish in the Southeast. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. Then don't comment. If you don't know, this is part of the, the, the industry that's going on right now. That's why the pros yeah. hate the Googans. You want to know why the pros hate the Googans, Gramps? Is the Googans did something that yeah. nobody, no pro angler can even broach the subject. Yes. 
They, pri- they not only killed it on YouTube and made millions of dollars on YouTube, then they made their own product and then destroyed it there too. And yeah. all these pro anglers are going, you want know what? I'm, I'm a better angler than these guys. They, their egos won't allow them to just go, you want know what? What those guys did was exceptional. I, they're, they're, this is something not a lot of people know. The Googans closed down iCast four years ago. They closed it down. They, they put on their social media, hey, guys, we're about to, I don't even know, it might have been three or four years ago, we're about to uh, launch, um, we're about to launch a new bait. Come out to iCast on the water and get your free bait. In other they words, come shut, outside. In yeah. other words, leave the venue, come outside and see our Guggen products. And, and they told the public, y'all can come in. And now the public can't come into iCast. The shit storm that it caused that year <laughs> was unbelievable. The, 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 the show brought in 15,000 people. The Googans brought in 100,000 people. That's right. And here's the thing with the Googans. The Googans are a major, major disruptor in the fishing industry. They have taken... They have taken all the traditional stuff and turned it on its head. Yes. And that's and that's why everybody was so mad at them. And that's why there's still a bunch of people that hate them. Uh, because th- the the market's fairly small. They've taken a big chunk of the market. And but they have brought in a lot of new, a new uh customer base, a lot of these little kids, you know, that guys are talking about in the comments that wouldn't even be paying attention to fishing without the Googans. Yeah. So they're here to stay. And like them or not, I'm not saying that. You guys know, you follow me. I don't have many Guggen baits at all. But, I don't have any. But the Guggens are not going away. Never. And they are good for the sport. Yeah, they and they really are. I mean, it, 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 now, if you want to it, be exclusive and keep people out, I guess they're bad. But, but they're, they're a good thing. And having a major Guggen on the, on the NPFL could do nothing but help them. Do you know if, if Major League Fishing could have told Rob, look, we want you to fish the BPT, do you not think they would have done that? Do you not <laughs> yeah. think that if you would have qualified for the elites, that they wouldn't have been unbelievably happy yes. and made him one of the faces? Absolutely. I mean, NPFL got a diamond in the rough by Rob going to that league. And as crazy as it sounds, uh, you know, they, they, he was good for them. Now, right now he isn't good for them, <laughs> yeah. but you know, there's, there's so many pros and cons to both sides of the story. Yeah. That's the craziest thing about this. Yeah. There's so many pros and cons. Uh, I want to just say, uh, Tom, I haven't, I know there's a few that might fish NPFL, but I haven't heard anyone, um, specifically from the elite say we're going to go over there. I haven't heard that yet. yet so I've, I've heard of one on the got to go up in Chinese bait crankbaits please. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Fishing with Gramps, all that's legit. It's true. But you still can't we we can't put our heads in the sand and pretend that the Guggens aren't a major force in the industry. They just are. Oh, the, the, I mean, 
there's when they they when they came out with their and and you know I'm and I I don't think their plastics are worth worth crap. I think they break too much. I don't I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah, uh, and maybe if they changed them, maybe I would. But um, when they came out with their rods, they they made a massive order of their rods. Their rods sold out in forty eight hours. Yeah. You couldn't buy one of their rods. Hey, and here's here's another thing, Steve. You may not not like the Guggen soft plastics. Jacob Wheeler is winning tournaments fishing with Guggen soft plastics. Well, he gets it's, eighty thousand of them. I mean, well, I know he does. I know he does. But is right there on TV. You can see him throwing it in there and catching them. And uh, I've heard this, that though that their plastics tear up a lot really they quick. They're, they're not, that's, they're, that's the one problem. As a re, yeah. as a regular angler, they just break down too fast. But if you got an unlimited supply like uh, Jacob Wheeler, yeah, then it's fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> and, and really, uh, if, let's just just think of that. Not only are they the greatest, uh, the greatest group of YouTuber people on the planet, but they also support the greatest angler on the planet right That's now. That's right. That's right. And they support a lot of anglers. There's a lot of anglers they're sponsoring now. And this is what I'm saying. It's not one or the other. It's intertwined completely now. And, uh, you know, so what I'm, I, 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 I am, I'm an old geezer and I was definitely not on the Guggen bandwagon when they first started out, but it's, it's a part of life now. And I've decided I'm going to embrace them. I, I may not go out and buy a ton of their baits. You know, I might just like you're talking about the skinny dipper. I like my reaction innovation baits. I'm probably not going to replace them with Guggen baits, but they're still, they are what they are. Gramps said nobody complains to gary about soft sinkos there's a drastic difference in the, they admitted uh the guggen guides admitted we made the stuff too soft you can't really see i have a hard time with with this because you can't really defend somebody that when a bluegill bites the toad that i have to put a new bait on because a bluegill sucked down one of the, the legs after the first cast <laughs> or you have five baits and you catch five fish and the baits are, are useless. Even watch uh -huh. their videos. Uh, Gramps is just getting me all fired up. You watch some of their videos. Every time they get a remote bite or even they set the hook, they have to change their baits because the baits are just too soft. Um, may, may, maybe Rob met with Gary. I Maybe I, if he did, great. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying they're too soft. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Now that I'm fired up, my throat hurts. I'm tired. I'm, I'm nasty now. <laughs> Here's the other thing. The other thing that I will say about this, this whole controversy that, well, it, it's fun to talk about, about this kind of stuff, but come on, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing in fishing, even when we have egg on our face and we make the wrong choices, there's nothing that justifies death threats. Yeah, let's... You know, there's nothing that justifies that. Yeah, let two, we, wrong, we, two wrongs don't make a right. Yes. I mean, you know, and I think, I think, you know, until you walk in a man's shoes, 
you really don't know all the facts. We still don't know all the facts in, in regards to Luke. We still don't know all the facts in regards to the NPFL. We still don't know all the facts in regards to Rob. So, but you don't yeah. threaten his wife and his kids and everybody else. Exactly. You are a Come horrible on. individual that's going straight to hell. When you do something like that. Yeah, come on, his, guys. His wife and kids don't have anything to do with what comes no. out of his mouth. No. He, they're married to him, yes, as his kids. Does that make his wife and his kids bad? No. But but to, to go on and DM his wife and his kids and say horrible things and, and threaten their lives, you are a shit asshole for doing that. Sorry. Yeah, that's just wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, look, boil it back down. Why did we all get started in this stuff? Fishing is just fun. It's about having fun. That's all. So, man, if it starts, if it starts to get into this craziness, man, you need to take a step back and reset and say, hold on a second, man. Why am I doing this? Why am I involved in this? And I think this is one of the, one of the disappointments about the fishing industry and and it's true of any sport football is backyard football there's nothing funner than backyard football until you turn it into professional football professional football is fun but man it's always got to have controversy with it and it's the same you start putting you start putting money behind you start putting money behind fishing and then someone says well that's my livelihood so i'm gonna go knock his block off because we're talking about my livelihood now and uh Man, it's a shame. So in the last three or four years, the big controversies have been Major League Fishing, Luke Duncan and Major League Fishing, Luke Duncan and and uh, and Rob Turkula. The the drama that Luke stirs up is astronomical. <laughs> and I love some of it. I couldn't get enough of it on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but you know, you still have to respect his opinion and everything else, and but you also have to you, you have to continually, continuously say, uh, "Let's hope that Rob is getting as much help as he can." Uh, Absolutely. And and let me make sure we we say. And I have said this to you. I thank him for his service, and I thank you for Absolutely. the service. The, that that PTSD <laughs> is nothing. To, oh, and Luke and Mercer, thank you, Gramps. This is why I love Gramps. Gramps, we we need to have a three way with Gramps in here at some point. Yeah, we ought to. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it it seems, you know, you, you get in these podcasts, and really, I could stir it up, too, if I really wanted to. There's so many things that I know. Uh, yeah. It, but, you you know, at some point in time, you just go, okay. I mean, I talk to certain guys every week, but if I said everything that they told me, man, we would, I, the shitstorm would be bad for us, man. <laughs> For sure. And Herb sure. said, without YouTube, there would be no Googans. You're right. You're, you're that is right. absolutely right. Hey, congratulations, Caro. She caught her first fish ever on a oh, wacky rig. Nice. First wacky rig fish. Man, your world's gonna change. That's that's fun stuff. That is fun. Yeah. Um, that person that don't say his name. That person confirmed for two weeks. Oh, great. Just now. Awesome. He who cannot be named. Yes. 
Oh my goodness, boys and girls, you are not going to believe who we got in two weeks. You so are not going to believe it. So that what that means is either I take next week off or we just do two weeks in a row. But I'm <clears throat> I'm burnt right now. I can tell. I tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Buddy. Okay. So what do you have going? What? Okay. Can, we might have to go a few minutes late here. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's big we, hill. We, we have to. It did sound weird. Uh, it did sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Three way with cramps. Uh, <laughs> uh, yesterday's live broadcast. Can yeah, man. How do you guys this? like? I'm doing some live unboxings. In fact, speaking of that, I'm doing a live unboxing tomorrow night. Which one is of, it? Uh, I think I'll do the Monster Bass uh, multi species bag. Nice. Tomorrow. And uh, last night's box, no offense, might have been, Matthew, might have been the worst box I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, well, it was a head scratcher. And I don't even have it to show you guys because uh, if you guys remember on the live stream last night, somebody won it because he got the Dreamsicle right and uh, the Dreamsicle color. I've already put it in the mail. It's nice. on the way to him. So uh, the, it was it was a weird one, man. It well, here's the thing: like Fish in the South City says, it was the worst box. Okay, I do want to kind of add this caveat. If you look at some of those individual baits, like the Tech Lure Cinco's and the and the Trick Worms and the, and those little flipping baits, those little toad color. They were fine lures in and of themselves. There was nothing yes. wrong with those so soft plastic baits. I think they were probably well-made. They had cool colors. They, they, they looked fine. The problem is I buy a $35 box that, and I am sold on super custom handmade. And I start thinking to myself about all these handmade. You start drooling. Yeah, I'm drooling about Man, maybe I'll get another one of those custom-made goldfish uh, square little crankbaits I got in that in that uh, uh, dark horse tackle box, and you and you start thinking about that. You break it open, and there's only one hard bait in the entire box. One, and it was cool. It looked great. It was a nice looking jerk bait. Oh yeah, it looked uh, great. It was a great looking bait. But but come on, man, give me a break here. I just gave you thirty five dollars. Uh, and I got, okay, let me tell you what was not custom at all. Custom lead bullet weights, <laughs> the custom, custom worm hooks, custom made neck gator. None of that is, I mean, that's yeah. not custom. So eliminate all that crap out of the box. And then I boil it down to four or five packs of soft plastics and a jerk bait. That's not going to cut it, man. No, no. That that box needs to drastically improve. Yeah. Uh, speaking of subscription boxes, so, you know, this was my last month. Monster Bass is still hitting me in the ass. I, I should just say that. They, they, so I, I, I canceled my Monster Bass. Uh, you know, I'm, like, unbelievably happy. And I say to myself, I'm going to pick someone else, and this is going to – it's going to be great. So yeah. I decide – I, in my mind, I say I'm going with uh, Major League Fishing. But I get three or four comments. Go with Rush. Oh, my God. What a what a nightmare Rush <laughs> is. Uh -huh. I am dying. Rush got me. 
They got you. They charged me for boxes and never sent them. I I spent 90 minutes on the phone with my bank yesterday to make sure that they couldn't continuously charge me. And because I never received anything. So I should have just stuck with Monster Bass. Yeah, at least. At least Monster Bass sends it every month. It's and they have great it's customer never... service. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can't win. I can't win here. Um, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. True. You can you can pick up the phone and call Rick or any of the people over at Monster yeah. Bass, and they will respond. Yeah. These guys didn't respond, so I, it, today is the 13th. I started writing them, so I bought the box on the 18th of last month at, at – on the 31st of last month, or the last day of the month, I started emailing them every day and calling them twice a day. Where's this box? You say the box is supposed to be sent the day after. Why? Where is this? I know you're coming from Ontario, so I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But could someone please just call me back or email me back? I got uh-huh. nothing from them for 14 consecutive days. Two days, two calls a day. Finally, uh-huh. that was it. Rush uh-huh. tackle box. Uh, I, I, it's I'm done, done. Yeah. So you, uh, I had uh, I had that happen to me. Uh, have you ever heard of a bait called Flipping the Bird? I know that guy. That guy uh, won a uh, a Super Bowl. The guy, the owner. Really? Well, he was a Super it, Bowl it, football champion. It's a really cool bird bait, you know. And it and uh, I was like, yeah. man, I want to try that. I want to try that Flipping the Bird bait. So, I think I got some. So they had a three. They had a three bird deal. You could buy three birds. So I, I'm like, oh, great. I want to try those. I'm going to buy three different colors. And I bought a three-bird deal and crickets. Nothing showed up. I wait uh, a week. I wait a week. I wait two weeks. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I go, and my money, they've taken my money. Flipping the bird did not give me any bait. So I try to contact them. And I swear, it took me forever. Finally, I found a contact on Facebook. They had a Facebook page. I send them that info. Hey, I ordered these deals and you can take my money. I haven't gotten them. Crickets. No response. No response. No response. No response. Finally, after harassing them constantly, kind of like you were doing with the Rush guys, they finally respond and say, "Uh, we'll make it right. Crickets. Totally disappeared. Totally went dark. To this day, that was like two years ago now, I have never received my baits and I never got my money back. Flipping the bird flipped me the bird. I I had that. So I had that happen. I don't want to say the name of the company. I, I interviewed him a couple of years at ICAST. I came home. I ordered like $30 worth of baits. And then uh, I never got them. Uh, and, and I kept emailing them, emailing them. And then I stopped because I had a better idea. I knew that I would see him at ICAST. And I thought, I'm going to confront him in ICAST in front of everybody. Oh. And I thought this is what it, this was going to be last year. And then of all, yes, I thought, well, I'm going to get it all on video. Um, it's going viral, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm like, okay. So then I, 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 I contact the owner and before ICAST to, to schedule it. And then I, I feel guilty. I get the guilty thing. I'm like, I shouldn't yeah, yeah. do this. It's kind of mean to, just the golden don't. rule. Yeah. Others. Yeah. So then I, I say to him, hey, dude, just so you know, I bought these baits. I never received them. Here's the invoice, blah, blah, blah. Here, here's what you, you charged me. 
And he said, well, I'll refund you the money right away. Well, he refunded the money to someone else. <laughs> Interesting. And, and it was, and I was, and then he sent me to Bates and then he said, did you get the money? And I said, look, you used the wrong email address. And he's like, well, once it gets back, I'll reissue it. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You sent me the baits. That's all. I'm, that's all that matters. And then, uh, of course, ICAST didn't happen last year. But I was i I had visions of grandeur. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, it's like the uh, the 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 lure, the whatever this mechanical lure, you know, uh, that I did that video on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know that one. I get comments on and emails about like once a week, somebody emails me something about that. You know, can I take it down? Whatever. I'm like, you know, that what you sold me was a, there's no falsehoods in that video at all. There's nothing exaggerated. There's nothing. It's identical to what happened. Uh But at the same time, you know, they're like, Oh, we sent you another lure. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm never going to, someone wants this, this lure by all means, you can have it. It's here. You can have it. Um, and they're like, well, we gave you another one, and I'm sure it works better. I'm like, it doesn't mean I'm making another video for you uh, because Dude. you killed me with the first one. Dude, we've already hit two hours. I know. Okay. We've gone over, and you said you got to work an all-nighter, man, so we probably ought to. Well, I got to go. I'm going to Smyrna, so. Okay. Well, well, just out of curiosity, what uh, – what do you have going on this? Do you have what videos going up this week? You got the unboxing. What else? Yeah, I'm doing three unboxings. I'm going to do monster baths. I'm going to do mystery tackle box. All I'm live. Gonna, I'm going to do all lives. Champions Club. I'm going to do them like three nights in a row, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna do my regular Sunday night live stream. Awesome! I'll be there at that for sure. Um, we should mention we are gonna. We're going to try to go an hour earlier starting yeah. next week. We need to start, we need to tell people that. Yes. Go ahead. We're, we are having an official time change. The Mr. Bass and Get Your Fish On show will no longer be at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. It will be an hour earlier. Yes. 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. And yes. you, may ask, you may ask, why are we changing? Well, because we like to change. And well, uh, this goes on a little late for East Coast people. It is a little late for the East Coast, and that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, and the reason we started so late to begin with is that Steve has a very busy schedule with his son and swimming and that kind yes. of stuff. So he is sacrificing. He is giving himself really, literally, only like fifteen minutes to get done with swimming and get here for the show. Yes. So we're hoping it'll all work. We're, what we're really going to do is we're hoping the Watsonia picks up Thomas on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll let you two deal with that. I'm not going to get into that. No, you got to uh, call her later. You got to call her tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, uh, she, uh, of all things, she got in another car accident today. What is she my all right? Wife, my, she's a horrible driver. The oh, worst man. driver ever. Oh, no. We're going to have to cut this out of the video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All well, right. I'll be on. Uh, I'm heading to the beach so uh, to okay. get out of the house. Sounds uh, good. Steve needs a weekly show called Fishing Dirt. You, dude, uh, Gramps, the, the things I 
the, th the people that call me to tell me stories are astronomical. I'm not lying. But yeah. the one we have in two weeks doesn't call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope that everything holds steady for our show two weeks from now. You guys are going to be, you're going to love it. Yes. You're going to love it. It'll, it's going to be it'll awesome. Be, it'll be a good one. I'm going to, I, you want to, I'm going to call someone else for next week. Yeah, we need to call someone else for next week. We'll get someone in, or who knows, we might just do our own. We're pretty good, just ourselves. And yeah. To tell you the truth, uh, well, I better not go there. Yeah, there's. Let's, I, I, let's face it, the Matt Herons of the world are way better than we are. But Matt Heron was bad. good. We're not bad. I mean, we can chatter. We can talk. We can keep the conversation rolling. Yeah. Uh, you know, for whatever that's worth. I mean, you get what you pay for. So. Uh, yeah. and since nobody gave us any money tonight, uh, that's about what this thing's worth. Yeah. Fishing. Thanks for joining us, folks. Yes. We appreciate the support. We're not asking for your money. Just hit the thumbs won't. up, but we won't turn it that way. Hit that thumbs up, like yeah. comment, share, do all those fun things. And we will see you guys next week. Uh, close us out, Steve. Remember, take your kid fishing, get your fish on, and happy fishing! Later, guys.